So over here at Level 4 PT and Wellness, we strive to help women who want to remain active be the best version of themselves and not have to stop what they're doing in life because of an embarrassing or frustrating issue. And one of the common things that we see in our office are women complaining of feeling like there's extra pressure or heaviness in the vaginal area. And a lot of times it can be very scary because they're not sure what's going on. Or maybe they have been diagnosed with what's called a pelvic organ prolapse, and they want to know how they can ease their symptoms so they can stay active and be able to avoid surgery. So we teach on this all the time to the women that we see, and we help them ease their symptoms. A lot of these things that you can start doing on your own are going to be found in our free guide on our website. So you can go over to level 4 PT dot com backslash pelvic dash organ dash prolapse. And this free guide is going to give you six tips to ease your prolapse symptoms today so you can feel like yourself again. So this free guide is over on our website. Go check it out. And we want to empower you and make you feel the strongest and most confident version of yourself. Thank you. And let's start this podcast. Welcome, ladies, to the Women's Health Happy Hour podcast. My name is Dr. Dawn Andalone. I am a women's health physical therapist, author, educator, and co-owner of Level 4 PT and Wellness. And this podcast is informative but lighthearted, and we discuss all things women's health in order for you to lead an active and vibrant lifestyle. So cheers, and let's get started. Welcome back, ladies. I'm with my dear friend, Allison McLean, and this is going to be great. She's actually a fellow physical therapist as well, and we have a lot of fun things that we do together, but we also each having our own businesses with our own niche um, and specialty. She actually has um, a lot of great info to share from her perspective as a physical therapist who underwent a hysterectomy and has gone through some things in her own health history as well. So I thought this would be a great conversation to have because there's some of the stuff that we haven't fully talked about. So we wanted to have a podcast to help other women who maybe have gone through a hysterectomy and are dealing with some of the same questions or same concerns. And she can talk through that from her experience as well. So welcome, Allison. Cheers. Hi. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) My glass of rosé here. And what are you drinking? I love rosé myself. You know, I actually combine it with kombucha, which is probably sacrilege in the... (laughs) I always learn new things from other people on this podcast. I'm like, what are you drinking? Watermelon kombucha. It's it's really... So delightful on a hot day. (laughs) Love it. Well, I, I know that you have gone through a lot over the last couple of years in your own health. And the fact that you are a physical therapist and a very, um, you help a lot of other people that are dealing with a lot of stress in their life and trauma and you being involved in yoga and healing and a lot of your modalities you use with your clients. I just thought it'd be great from your perspective, talking about this topic 
uh, us being women's health PTs in our office and pelvic having a pelvic floor niche. Um, hysterectomy is something that we see a lot of women and it could be immediately after, but actually not enough immediately after it's more like years and years after where they start, this comes up in their history. Oh, by the way, I had a hysterectomy. So I just thought I'd introduce you to our podcast audience and tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your profession and just personal life too. And what, um, what kind of led you to do what you do now and how you can share about your hysterectomy too. Yeah, sure. Love it. So I help uh, entrepreneurs reduce stress and live a balanced and fulfilled life. And it's really through many means, depending on how they enter in my world, because I really work with three pillars and that can be health and stress resiliency. So body stuff, a scary health diagnosis. I know all about that. And, um, or maybe it's clarifying where they want to go in their business, uh, really creating that roadmap and the tactics to get there. And then also just having the time, like cultivating balance really includes schedule and time management and boundaries and all that, all the things. So we work on all those ways and um, it's really utilizing all the many years of yoga and physical therapy knowledge, which I'm so grateful for, especially with my own health diagnosis. So I have a genetic mutation called Lynch syndrome. And because of that diagnosis, right afterwards, I was found out I had rectal cancer. And the reason why this relates to my hysterectomy is because uh, right when I was diagnosed with Lynch syndrome, I got sent to, uh, uh, what are they called? Um, not an epigenetics counselor, a genetics counselor. <laughs> A genetics counselor. I got to send to uh, one of those. And she very compassionately told me that uh, my life was about to change and I was going to be submersed into a lot of cancer screens. And she gave me a forewarning that uh, my gynecology visit might also include the word hysterectomy and that wow was, yeah so that right off the bat when right off the bat they, they told you that she, she huh. me, yeah she prepared me mentally because I think people were just walking I get it from so I went to my first gynecologist oncologist and um there I I totally understand because they see a lot of moms in my position that are young, healthy, have families, and unfortunately are at higher risk for ovarian cancer. And there's no good early detection tests. There's no good early screens that are uh, accurate or reliable. And so unfortunately, because there's also no good early symptoms, it's not caught till later. And a good percentage of these younger moms, they, they lose. And so Western medicine right now is doing a dramatic thing of promoting hysterectomies, but it's for the benefit of being here on this earth and being a mom still without, and, and without that risk. 
Now, I think in the future and maybe another five, 10, 15 years, there's going to be other means. For example, right now in the cancer world, they're doing research on what's known as a liquid biopsy, where they actually do a blood draw and they can, they're starting to create, uh, research right now is starting to create reliability um, and accuracy in looking for cancer of a specific DNA. So right now it's, it's more reliable in determining uh, DNA of cancer that you've already had. So a lot of times oncologists will pull the DNA of a cancer that you had, and then they can look for that more accurately. But they're seeking the DNA of like, what are the common DNAs of ovarian cancer, for example, and starting to use that. That's like future upcoming mm. for probably um, our kids' generation. But right now, um, hysterectomies are kind of the surest way to eliminate that, that risk because uh, for Lynch, even though it's not on the higher risk compared to like the BRCA gene, um, well, BRCA is more breast cancer, Lynch is more colon cancer. They both, depending on the strain of Lynch, can range anywhere from like 10 to 40, or if it's in the family, a little bit higher risk. So it's not like 80% like colon or rectal cancer for me, but it's still higher and it's still prevalent in mm -hmm. our Lynch community. However, I, at the time when I was first diagnosed, I didn't feel like going through with the hysterectomy right away. Um, what was the time period between when you were first diagnosed and like when you, cause, cause you went underwent a first surgery for the rectal cancer Yeah, and then mm -hmm. the time period just to kind of give people an idea of the window. Yeah. You know, at first I thought I was going to do it right away because my, the guy, the gynecologist oncologist. He, he sold me. <laughs> Just convinced you yeah, this is what my, you have to do. Yeah. My husband and my daughter were actually, they came to the visit with me because this is all prior to pandemic. So they could. And I realized quickly um, that I was eliminating um, when I was first diagnosed with cancer, I actually, um, I just tuned out some of the information. My first, when my, when I first received the diagnosis, the, the doctor that told me, told me I needed a surgery um, to remove the cancer, but I like immediately like deleted that from my brain. And so when the, my cancer coordinator called me to schedule the pre-op surgery visit, I was like, who needs surgery? What surgery? <laughs> and I'm a physical therapist. I know how to work the system. And I still, I, it opened my eyes to being like, oh yeah, okay. I need to bring some with me, someone with me to some of my visits because I'm not really like retaining all the information. Mm -hmm. So my, my husband and my daughter were there at that visit with the gynecologist oncologist. And, um, we just all agreed. Like he, he just really emphasize the importance of my ability to be a mom to my daughter. And so his goal at the time was to coordinate with the colon surgeon and the colon surgeon would move the cancer and then they would kind of tag team and then he would go in and do the hysterectomy. So I would only, it really appealed to my physical therapy mind because then I would only have to heal from one surgery. Mm -hmm. Now, were they originally talking about 
going in through the vaginal area and doing the hysterectomy or how it was, was going to the... be uh, open. They're going to oh, okay. do the abdomen and do okay. both of those. But then the colorectal surgeon for better or worse, um, this was when I was not with UCSD. Uh, so prior to me being with UCSD, he, he talked me out of it. He, he was like, no, ovarian is lower risk. Plus I can go in through the back door and I don't have to open you, open you up. And it's a much quicker recovery. You'll be back on your feet in no time. And that appealed to my entrepreneurial mind because I had not <laughs> scheduled any time to take off for like a surgery at all because it was all a surprise. So I'm like, oh, great. Less time, quicker recovery. I can keep my lady parts. Sure. <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> so, so I, I did that surgery and I, I postponed the other one and, um, and then I switched to UCSD and my first meeting with the, my new gynecologist, because they have Lynch, Lynch syndrome specialists there. And my new oncologist, that was a gynecologist, said the same thing as the other. And it just kind of reinforced that. And I, w I went through some, like a lot of screenings. There were some like things that popped up that had me a little concerned and my whole healthcare team kind of concerned. So I just had the feeling after many uh, talks with my husband and really evaluating our family, it was, it was, it was, it was time for me to go through with the surgery. And yeah, like what I'm sure there's a lot of fear around that too, or a lot of the unknowns. So were there things that the doctor warned you of, Oh, this is my, what you might go um, through afterward that they talk about any, uh, the changes with going through menopause early. Did they, yeah. What kind of warning signs did they give you? Oh, this might happen or this, um, you, did you it, feel like they prepared you well? Yeah. I think to the be best of their abilities, uh, for like the time it, it's all very generic, truthfully. I, mm -hmm. And I, and I feel like my both oncologists, gynecologists are very compassionate and caring people. They, they really are and very skilled at their job yet. They're both male. So that's one thing. And, um, the other thing is, yeah, I, they told me. So when I actually, the, uh, surgeon that I did have, he did, he told me I'd go into menopause. Uh, he always asked me what questions I have and, and, um, concerns. And he did have uh, a women's health specialist doctor that could help with hormonal needs if I should need it. However, from his oncologist viewpoint and my cult, my GI oncologist, so at the time I had two oncologists, both of them would prefer me not to use the, the hormones. Mm -hmm. And so, um, at, at that time, prior to surgery, I just, I have a naturopath. So she was kind of my backup plan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like what other alternatives do I have in my toolbox here? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, uh, you know, you come from, uh, already a health and healing background. So 
it's good that you could pull a lot of alternatives or things that can help you. If somebody is going in and they're not really sure what to expect, um, like from your perspective, what are some of the things that maybe you were surprised about after having the surgery? Yeah, it's hard because there's a lot of changes. I guess I didn't expect such, I mean, you hear about it, the emotional roller coaster, but I really did not realize how low, low could go. <laughs> If that yeah. makes sense, you know, and I didn't realize I've never in my life, like there was a month that I was really in a funk, like just feeling like Eeyore, like downer. I couldn't usually I'll wake up. So prior to the hysterectomy, I'm just, you know, one of the reasons why I got into the stress reduction and learning about the nervous system was just because I always been kind of a natural worrier or an anxious type person. Mm -hmm. And my naturopath said to me early on, she's like, one of the best things you can do in terms of cancer prevention for yourself is enjoy life and, you know, not stress as much really. And so I took that to heart and I was really learning how to apply all that. And so I got to a place where I could wake up in the morning and maybe I would feel a bit of anxiety or feel down or feel worry, but I had the tools um, to get, to pick myself up out of it and just go about my day, get stuff done in my business. I really love my work, you know, take care of my daughter, do all the things. And there was a month after the hysterectomy, probably I would say the second or third month uh, where I just felt like I, you, despite all the tools, everything I was doing, I couldn't get myself out of it. It was, mm. or it was like, just, it became like normal, but I wasn't mm -hmm. like, I was not working in my business as motivated or as, um, joyful, I, I guess you could say as, as I normally do, or I didn't really have a desire to, hang out with any of my friends, um, just kind of was hermiting with my daughter. And, and also what surprised me was right after surgery, I experienced a bunch of migraines and I, and I, I have had migraines before in my life, but usually they're like once or twice a year where it's like a perfect storm of event, or maybe I had too much rosé and I was dehydrated <laughs> and I didn't get enough sleep. Uh -huh. like, you know, it's like a perfect storm of events and then bam, I'll have a, I'll have a migraine, like either later that day or the next day, but it's rare. But right after surgery, I had two or three in the first week after surgery and then like another one the week after. So very, very higher frequency. And I went to my that the surgeon for my two week follow up and I told him and he looked at me and he's like, of course, it's because I removed your ovaries. And I was like, I remember thinking, what? <laughs> 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 and uh, you know it's just like okay but that's a debilitating thing you know they yeah. can take you out for at least half of a day you know mm -hmm. and then like if I even if I take like an anti-nausea medicine like Zofran or something then I'm groggy and I don't really feel I still really don't feel like 
myself like to do really good quality work. So for me, it really takes me out the whole day. And um, I was worried that here, here I am with worry, but I was worried that it, it would, that was my new normal. Yeah. And they don't yeah. know because they don't have a crystal ball to determine how your body will respond. Cause everyone's going to be different. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And so fortunately for me, one thing he did say, he's like, look, this happens, but the first few months after hysterectomy where we, you know, your body's going through this dramatic change because we removed your ovaries. It's like a one and, you know, it's done deal. Um, there's still a stabilization window. So for me, fortunately, um, those de did decrease. And now I haven't, I haven't experienced one since that first month, fortunately. Um, but emotionally and i and i came out of that weird funk i uh so and i do feel time for me i used to love to ovulate <laughs> i always feel like more confident and like outgoing and just like Wee! like you're very in tune with your body already yeah, yes I, I love to ovulate before and now i'm experiencing it's not the same but glimpses of that again. And I'm, so I'm starting to track things like with a journal um, and you, they have those um, cycle trackers that, you know, apps for the phone. And I had one prior and I was pretty regular. And so now I'm starting to look at and, and journal in there, like my moods, like how long they're lasting, because I don't know, for me, it gives me like, a, it, it's not so like, or what, what tomorrow, how am I going to wake up? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel like I can start to track like a pattern and see if it kind of syncs up with my old cycle in a way. And it just feels subtly different. Or if it's like a brand new kind of cycle, because there's still like a cyclical element of like mm -hmm. the rise and the fall of the emotions. I'm realizing it just feels a bit different so i'm i'm getting used to that and i think the the and time will will reveal the pattern so uh, for that aspect i'm learning to be compassionate with myself right now and patient just to see to give myself a bit more grace to, mm -hmm. to see how i feel um on a given day yeah well like pain wise what what would you say now compared to, cause your surgery was when December. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're talking about five months, four to five months later. Mm -hmm. Um, what would you say like pain wise, or you had told me the other day that you feel like you're about 60% back to where you're hundred percent because you're very flexible. You're great at <laughs> yoga. Like you're a pretty fit woman. So if you're at about 60% now, then yeah. Talk, talk about more the physical aspect of it and some of the things that you dealt with. Sure. Um, truthfully, the surgery itself, I didn't really feel that much pain. I didn't even take any narcotics. Just, I think I took or Advil or one of those NSAIDs um, for a couple of days mm -hmm. and, and essential oils. And the pain itself was very minimal. 
maybe for like two weeks it was uncomfortable. What I what I think is limiting me the most is uh, scar tissue because mm-hmm. I've had uh, three surgeries now in five years. So I had a cesarean for my daughter, the rectal cancer surgery and this hysterectomy. I think now my body is like, and I did. I went to PT after the cesarean, and I am so grateful for you for for really nudging me for PT for this hysterectomy. I don't. I realized like I wasn't as proactive as I was for the cesarean because no, nowhere in my healthcare journey for this surgery. Maybe they just assumed I would know because I'm a physical therapist, but no one told me to go to PT. (laughs) Well, yeah, we just hear this over and over again that after a hysterectomy, no, nobody's saying that. And sometimes, you know, everyone is going to react differently, whether that's changes in bowel or bladder habits or having like pain with intercourse, like there's all sorts of things that can come up and scar tissue being a huge one too. Um, yeah, I think that you touched on another, I think my abs, because the ab I'm learning how to use my abs in a new way. Thank you to Dr. Lindsay on your team. Um, which is a whole other thing (laughs) with the (laughs) pelvic floor. (laughs) We're waking Uh, up your pelvic floor and core in a different way. Yes. Uh, But also um, after surgery, because the abs, you know, they do take time to come back for whatever reason, it totally changed my bowel movements. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually I'm very regular and it triggered some IBS. So I'm, I'm working through, working through that. And again, I think that has to relate to both core pelvic floor and scar tissue. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a thing. And then, um, yeah, just getting moving because I am so hypermobile, but what's happened that when I go out of alignment before I knew like certain, I'd have my yoga therapy kind of routine that I would do that I could put myself back into alignment and work with like my body. But now because of scar tissue, I'm getting out of alignment, but I can't put myself back in as easily. So it's triggering some stuff in my, my low back and, um, which normally is not a problem and doesn't bother Mm -hmm. me. What about, um, yeah, just kind of go back to some of that emotional stuff, what you were feeling. And I think a lot of women can sympathize with too, of going through knowing what you're going to, the type of surgery that you're going to have and knowing it, someone younger like you, it might push you into menopause. What were some of the, the things that were going through your head? Was there a lot of fear? Was there, um, you know, you know, uh, yeah. I, I think because you've already gone through a pregnancy, yeah. you've had a child, but maybe for someone that's never had a child and they undergo a hysterectomy. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a whole other emotional layer. And I do, I have a friend with Lynch syndrome and she has not had a child and is around my age in her forties and decided to go through with the hysterectomy finally. And so she is also experiencing a layer of grief of saying mm-hmm. goodbye to motherhood. 
for me, it's more um, at times my daughter will say, well, mama, I, I want a sister. And so that does trigger because before the door was kind of still open, truthfully, mm-hmm. because I am in my 40s, time was closing at anyways. <laughs> Um, and we're still really in the same position, whereas if we really wanted, we could adopt. There's, there's other, other ways. Um, but now that it's such a finality, like it is a little bit raw and triggering in some ways. And the other thing is like when I was talking to the women's health specialist is, you know, without the same levels of estrogen and the plummeting estrogen from what I understand, but there's research studies about like bone health changes and risks of osteopenia and osteoporosis, also um, brain health and heart health and just, you know, growing older. Like for me, it's been, I now lie in bed And the other night my daughter came up to me and she, we have a snuggle time, you know, before, before she goes to bed. And so we were like doing the tickle, tickle stuff. And she was like, Oh mama, your legs are squishy. (laughs) (laughs) Cause they do, they feel differently for a few, you know, cause like I haven't been strength training the same way because Mm -hmm. I am slowly building up my strength back from surgery and just, like my skin feels different. Like it's, it's, I can tell. And so, um, you know, there's that component of like, I could have, did I age myself like 15 years faster? <laughs> like what, what I, we don't know, like the consequences of how I would have aged probably like if I had left everything in versus aging now um but so some there is a I experienced some surprise emotions with that Mm -hmm. okay well this is what it is and just learning to love myself and my body for for where it is right now and how it's going to age and being grateful like that I'm here like that risk I was carrying around some stress and worry regarding um, my uterus and ovaries, because uterine cancer is actually at 60%. It is quite higher um, in terms of cancer risk. So, you know, I was always monitoring monitoring my cycle before for any changes or weird things. At one time I did, I felt a cyst on my ovary and I, 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 like a bump on my ovary and I freaked out and I went in and sure enough, there was a cyst there. So I start, I mean, most likely due to what was showing up on the ultrasound, this was again, three years ago was it was benign, but they, you know, they can never know until they actually do, you know, send it off to the lab and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It was benign because they did test it at the surgery, but I was carrying on the weight of every three months going to get that cyst monitored, make sure it wasn't changing size, if there were, so all that is now gone. So I have to look at, I can either let my mind go down the despair of aging quicker or faster than probably what I would have before, or I can go down uh, feeling 
gratitude and just having the ability to to be here without that worry yeah yeah it's not a problem anymore yeah well thank you so much for sharing all that and yes I'm sure for many women it's like a roller coaster of emotions and everybody comes at it with a different background of why it's going to happen. And it's usually, um, something that you just have to weigh the risks and the benefits and see what, what works for you. And also trust in your doctor too, that you have gotten multiple opinions and know that it's the right route to take too. Yeah. And hot flashes are a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I was telling my sister the other day, because I'm always freezing, like always freezing. And I, I told her, I'm like, I actually get really hot. Like I really start sweating (laughs) (laughs) in my life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So experiencing new symptoms and what are some of the things with exercise and movement that has helped you from like initially after the surgery to now? Yeah, just, um, after the surgery, what was really helpful was restorative postures. Um, I did, I, I, my naturopath has been helping me tremendously with alternative supplements. So I think the combination of the actually stabilizing from the surgery and the use of the supplements have dramatically reduced both the intensity and the frequency of the hot flashes and have helped to stabilize more of the moods. But then um, meditation, restorative postures um, are really helpful like for immediately after surgery when you can't really move or go for long walks. Uh, pacing myself was very helpful immediately after the surgery. So we have a super long driveway and I could only for a couple weeks, I could only go down that driveway one time. So Mm -hmm. if I I needed to go down the driveway, that's where I work is at the bottom of the driveway in my she shed. So um, if I needed to go down there, I had to strategize. He's <laughs> like, I was plan ahead. Yep, no, coming back up to go to the bathroom. Work was done. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, not doing too much too soon, too. Exactly. I remember us talking. You're like, oh, I overbooked myself, or yeah. I didn't realize that would take so much out of me. But just giving yourself some grace, like this is gonna take time. Yeah, exactly. In this surgery, I have to say I was much better than um my my rectal cancer surgery that surgery I came back way too fast this surgery I was much more patient and that helped and then you know my surgeon even said because I do have a history of uh disc herniations and sciatica so I asked him I was like look can I I have a very specific therapeutic yoga routine that I do lying down on the ground on my back that's very helpful for my discs and my back and he's can I start it? Because I, I felt the inklings of the sciatica wanting to come back. And he was like, sure, just don't use your core until your six week visit. He's like, so just do the gentle stretching. <laughs> How do you not use your core? <laughs> don't get up and down from the toilet. Don't do yeah. <laughs> Don't and get out of bed. I think, I think they just say that because when they say, I, I don't, they just, he didn't want, 
my interpretation of that was that you don't want me doing like crazy plank exercises, planks and crunches, yeah, yeah. hanging exactly. upside down, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> all the all the other crazy stuff. So that was my interpretation. So I just did the gentle stuff and didn't like go crazy with the core. Uh, <laughs> Um, so that was very helpful and walking, walking was super, mm-hmm. super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Just for blood flow circulation and also just elevating your mood too. Yeah. Being outside. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Well, now that it's been four to five months post-surgery, what are some of the things that are like, you have to include every day in your routine or weekly um, the things that you will not let go of that keeps you on track. Yeah. Either I I have an hour of, of self-care and it's some kind of combination of strength training and yoga or walking and my therapeutic yoga. I have a 10, 15 minute, uh, therapeutic yoga routine. I do that resets my nervous system resets like my back and my pelvis gives me space. So that's, that's a must. And I have to do it after strengthening and walking. So, and I pretty much do walking or, or like an hour long yoga most days of the week. My husband can tell when I don't, he's kind of like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) you need it for your, you need it for your mood. Yes. Totally. Totally. And um, yeah, so I've been easing back into the strength training now and, and meditation, meditation has been with me the whole time. And that is, um, doesn't, it's not long. It's like five, 10 minutes. Most of the time, sometimes I'll get a good 20 minutes in. it just really depends on the day. And then um, especially now because of the, the IBS and, um, waiting for my colon to kind of stabilize out diet's been huge too. So, um, fiber and, um, vegetables and that also helps with uh, energy too. Mm -hmm. What, um, one last question. What, what do you feel like, I know you, you just started, but what do you feel like is something new you've learned seeing a pelvic floor PT, because that was your first experience with that, but something that was more eye-opening to you. Yeah. You know, what was mind blowing to me? The last visit is like, I know I'm a gripper (laughs) (laughs) in my my hypermobility. My muscles will tend to like, just be tense to kind Uh of stabilize, but then also my nervous system is like I said, easy to trigger into like a stress response. And when I'm stressed, I like grip in my muscles as well. And I didn't realize how much I like I was really gripping my pelvic floor and how I considered that normal. And when I, I needed coaching actually to learn how to relax the pelvic floor and how gripped I really was <laughs> and how that was normal for me. That yeah. That was your baseline. Yeah, totally. And I realized, um, I mean, just after that visit, like, so the last week or so, how many times a day I have to tell myself or an hour even right now, because it's so new to me to like, let go, just mm-hmm. let go. It's huge. And, and I've been noticing like this morning I did, was doing my strength training, like 
how I recruit like the pelvic floor and the abdominals. It's all one big grip fest. (laughs) (laughs) And if people don't know what your pelvic floor is, if they're listening to this, it's like those muscles that control your bowel and bladder function right between your legs, men and women use them. And sometimes you don't even know subconsciously that they're being turned on all the time, which can create pain or bowel or bladder issues, a lot of different things. But if you've undergone trauma in that area, it is very common to over recruit them when really they should be more at a resting state. Totally. Yes, exactly. So I feel like I've, I've kind of taken a few steps. I, I consciously am telling myself, okay, I'm going to take a few steps back now. Uh, Cause I was starting to ramp up my strengthening and my yoga program back to normal. But now since I've learned that, I'm like, okay, no, we're going to take a few steps back. We're going to go back to the foundation and the basics because I think I need to learn how to do those with like this better like disassociation of pelvic floor and abs. And when does one need to be turned on versus like engaging the trans, like the core, like the core versus all the things that Mm -hmm. kind of always like very mind blowing to me Mm -hmm. in a good way, in a great way. (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and there is so much going on in that area too and that can really teach your brain what you should be doing also if you're doing a consistent workout program but these things are going to help you in your daily function Mm -hmm. yeah totally well I thank you so much for sharing all of this with our audience I'm sure that's going to be super helpful for anyone out there that has maybe about to have a hysterectomy or has undergone a hysterectomy. Um, It's great to hear your story. And I so appreciate that and you sharing. Yeah. I mean, the, just, if anyone is about to go through a hysterectomy, just call on your people. This is the time to really care for you. And it can be the support of your significant other and your family, but for sure seek seek help of the providers if there's any time to really invest time and money to to heal fully from this Mm -hmm. really this is the time because I've been through as as mentioned and these aren't my only surgeries I've also had surgeries on my wrist and my shoulder just this has been the one surgery that has been most surprising to me and in a number of ways so if you can support yourself in any way, I would highly recommend getting that support sooner rather than later. Yeah. And if you don't feel like you're getting it from the traditional medical model, like seeking out and doing your research or, you know, you're a great resource for that too, of a physical therapist that can help you heal in a different way, acupuncture, um, psychology, like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different types of practitioners that can help you and guide you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where can people find you because you have an awesome business that you offer different online programs and you help coach people too. Um, where's the best place to find you online? Yeah. The website, it's all right there. It's ignite your wellness.com. The yours is you are so ignite you are wellness.com. And I'll link your Instagram in our show notes too. Thank you. 
Thank you, Allison. I'm sure we'll enjoy another glass of wine together next time in person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a wonderful day and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to the Women's Health Happy Hour podcast. And if you are a woman that's struggling with motivation right now, maybe you just want to boost your energy and just get the most out of life, you need to go on over and join our private Facebook group community. It's called the Level 4 Women's Health Insiders Group. And every week we share informational videos. We have lots of great content in order to guide you along your health journey and free giveaways as well. So go on over to Level 4 Women's Health Insiders Group, join the group, and we'll see you there. So thanks for listening. The information given on this podcast is not intended to apply to every individual's potential injury. It is impossible to give 100% complete accurate diagnosis and prognosis without a thorough physical examination. The information provided is not meant as a substitute for your own professional advice from a healthcare provider or other medical professional. Under no circumstances will Level 4 Physical Therapy and Performance Incorporated or any of our other professionals be liable for any damage caused by reliance on the information that we make available on this podcast.